Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and yeah, I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Brian Pataka. Oh, Brian Pataka. I was introduced to this man on the One Broke Actress podcast. That's Sam Valentine's podcast. If you haven't heard it already, this is not an ad. Y'all know this is only by now. But if you haven't heard it already, definitely go check it out. One Broke Actress podcast if you're interested in listening to another fabulous podcast about acting. Anyways, she had Brian on her podcast. And I'm not going to spoil it. But he, he said some things in that podcast episode that hit me so hard as an actor. And I can remember, and we talk about this in the episode, I can remember where I was on the road in rural Ontario, what corner I was turning around in my car when I was listening to this episode and heard what Brian had to say. And I just was shook, as the kids said. I was rocked to my core just by what he has to say about actors and acting and our creativity and our, our just drive to do art. Again, we talk about this in the episode, so you're going to have to take a listen to figure out what exactly that was that just rocked my soul. Anyway, I got in touch with Brian and I'm so excited that we got to chat on my podcast. He is an absolute joy. Oh, I realized I never actually told you what he does. He is a coach, a coach for actors. Again, I am not affiliated. I don't get any money, no bounce back or anything from Brian and his wonderful coaching company. Y'all should know that about me by now. This is a passion project for me. But I truly, truly love and enjoy his enthusiasm for coaching actors. I think he will be extremely helpful if you're looking for a coach for acting. Not so much like the act, sorry, I should back up. Not so much the acting part of it, but more the business aspect of it. He's got great classes online about finding an agent. He does one-on-one coaching, et cetera, et cetera. All the information on how to contact him will be in the show notes below. But you are in for a treat. He is an absolute gem. He has so much joy and enthusiasm for actors. He used to be an actor himself. He has an incredible life story. I am so excited for you to hear it. Please enjoy Brian Pataka. story how did you how did you get to become who you are and what you do let's talk about my mom just kidding um so my uh everyone else does they're really okay so i was oh sure i'll say one thing i just thought of this this morning actually so when i was a little boy my mom said to me what makes you happiest and i guess i was like four and i got quiet for a long time and then i said starting something and finishing it and as a four-year-old like if you want to say like you are who you are when you're born I think that is really true of who I am. Like I am someone who this is kind of has a a metaphysical meaning and a baseline meaning. And metaphysically to me, it means like, I think that actors and creative people in general, if you're not pursuing it as a profession, you've secretly pursued it in other ways you didn't realize. Like if you're an actor, maybe Mm. you were the one who was always volunteering to do the presentation at your corporate job, or you were doing community theater, which feels like a more direct line to it. But you also could have been like, 
I like to do public speaking or I like to give the toast at the weddings. Like you're, it's leaking out of you your entire life, I think, in some way. And particularly for your audience who's coming to it as a second act, I'm hoping that many of them can relate to the story of like, oh, yeah, I was doing it in mm-hmm. high school and then I somebody told me that I needed to have a real job. So I went and did something else instead for a while, right? And so, but it's still, I think it always leaks out of you what your main purpose is, the thing that you're meant to do. And for me, mm-hmm. I grew up in a very white uh, suburb of Cleveland where I went to school with 2,700 people. It's the largest high school in Ohio and could not. So I was like, uh, could not express to that I was gay out loud because if I thought that I was mm-hmm. gay, I probably would get beat up. Like I couldn't say it out loud. Other people were, of course, teasing me, calling me names and everything, but I couldn't even contemplate it for myself because to contemplate it for myself was to put myself in danger. Just to kind mm-hmm. of put a side note of the toxicity of mm-hmm. this high school, since I left that high school, three people committed suicide, all of them being gay, which I think is, since oh, then they've goodness. done a lot better. But to just say that there was like mm-hmm. one Jewish person, one black person, one Asian person. So diversity was not a thing that I grew up with. So mm. the theater was the safe place to be, right? Getting good grades See. and being in the theater was the way that I protected myself, I would say. Um, and when I was on stage and when I would make people laugh, I was like, oh, I feel at home here. And I think that everyone has that experience at some point or another of where they're meant to be home, whether that's quietly writing mm. or painting a painting or doing accounting. Like you have this feeling like I am at peace here. And I think that is a, a something from the divine. I think that um, that's something that means more than just like, I like to do this. There's something from beyond saying this is where you're meant to be. So I wanted to be an actor. I went to school at Northwestern, which is a great theater school in the States. And so I was like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go to New York and that's what I'm going to do. And of course, the whole time I was being an actor at, at Northwestern, I was also like producing shows and I get really interested in marketing and how was I getting butts in the seats for the audience whenever I was producing a show while also acting and my first job out of college was at an advertising agency. Uh, it is called Sereno Coin. It is the number one advertising agency for Broadway shows around the world. So they are known in London and in New York and LA and all over the world. And they all my clients were Broadway shows. And so I was this, you know, 22-year-old guy. And my clients were Kiss Me Kate on Broadway and the public theater and on the town and bringing the noise, bringing the funk and all the tours of these shows. And so it was the coolest place. And I was learning how arts were advertised. And after two years, I said to my boss, I got to go. I got to be an actor. Like, I don't want to grow up to be you is actually the exact language I used. We're friends. So it was okay for me to talk like that. Um, And I got into a show right away uh, called The Donkey Show, which ran for like seven years off Broadway. It was a Midsummer Night's Dream told through disco songs directed by the now Tony Award winning director, Diane Paulus. So I was super lucky with great creative people. And backstage, I'd be with this, you know, cast of 10, let's say, a tiny cast. And so we got really close and I'd hear them saying, I'm like, it's hard time getting an agent. I'm having a hard time getting auditions. I can't get seen for this. And I was like, are you crazy? Like I am on stage with you every night and you're brilliant. That is not okay. And so I just had this resolute, um, I think not typical, like that is not the way things are going to work kind of relationship to the business where like, no, that's not how the business works. And I think some people might have a relationship with like, that's just how the business is or the business is tough. And like, I was like, no, that's not how the business works. And so I started coaching the people backstage of how to do their career better. And somehow the stars aligned and people started getting agents and getting auditions and it was changing for them. And then people would seek me out. And I was like, oh, I love this coaching thing, but I also loved acting. So I wasn't going to leave acting. And so I kept coaching, kept coaching. I found my, I think I was very lucky because I was very successful in my acting career. I made my living as an actor and coaching was just like the side thing that I did. Um, and I made my living from doing a lot of commercials and doing TV 
and I was doing great in New York, and then I came to LA, and I was doing great in LA, and when I was in LA, and I was on, and I was still quietly coaching all along the way, and when I was in LA, and I was on set for a TV show, and I had had to cancel on a few clients to be there, and I was like, this is fun, but it's more fun to be with my clients, and it was a real (laughs) wake-up call surprising, uncomfortable at first. Wait, can that really be true? Is that really how I feel? What does it mean? What about going to Northwestern? All the thoughts you could possibly have of, am I a failure for saying acting is not the thing for me? Because I wasn't a failure in my acting career, so it wasn't about that. So that was, I was lucky. I think, that was, I think that happiness begets risk. So when you're happy, it's easier to take something a little riskier. When you're fulfilled, it's easier to take something risky. So I was not like... Well, acting never happened. I guess I'll become a coach was not my relationship with my coaching. My relationship with coaching is I like coaching better. Um, Mm. And so I was off and running. So it took me two weeks to say, oh, yeah, acting's not the thing. And I was like, okay, I'm coaching. And I like when I'd already gotten life coach training, I've subsequently gotten uh, reverend training. I'm a non-denominational reverend, um, which means no religions, all religions, no dogma, no doctrine, just the spiritual truths that are the truth of any spirituality in the world basically is what I believe. And so what that sums up to is I believe that creativity in our calling is our birthright and that it is important that you take up that space. And so the reason why I even sought out that reverendship which was not like a, hey, I'm going to marry my cousin in 10 days. Let me go online. It was like a three-year program. It should have taken me two years. It was very exhaustive, just so everyone gets a a picture here. Um, I wanted that reverendship so I could use the language around creativity that meant something to me, that actually connected the dots. And so to me, of course, I was an actor first because if I want to have deep empathy with the people that I'm working with, I needed to be in those settings. I need to be in the room in that kind of pressure. I needed to not get some jobs in the past. I need to know, like, how does a cast director or offer to work? Like, I need to know some ins and outs of it, right? Um, because it's the difference between being a coach who's like, all the answers are inside of you, which, yes, I believe mm. that. And also, let me tell you how to reach out to agents, right? Which is, like, something I'm really good at. So th- there's a difference between just all the answers are inside of you and, like, let me give you some practical steps. And marrying those two things became... I think the equivalent is starting something and finishing it for me is like now I feel like not that I'm ever the perfect coach. I feel like I'm always growing, but I want everyone to start and finish their calling and for me to be the person, their cheerleader, teammate, captain alongside them, co-captain on their ship, whatever, to help them get there. That's truly how I um, have has how coaching has become to be the most important thing that I do. Um, Did that answer the question? I went a lot of places for that. Yes. And I have so many places I want to go because so many things that you just said just, oh, just hit me right in the, right in the the soul. (laughs) The first, the first one I want to touch on, and it's something that really is interesting because you did the switch from obviously actor to coach. Most of my audience are doing the switch from whatever job into actor. And I'd say about a good 50 50 are, people who hated their job and are now doing their passion or people like myself who like genuinely I'm a medical doctor I enjoy being a medical doctor (laughs) but there's also this huge fear of saying it's the sunk cost fallacy right like I've thrown so much of my money but also my life like my glory 20 years were gone in a library right right like who am I to now say to the universe I'm going to give all that up and pursue acting. Yeah. Yeah. When I still kind of, like, I enjoy that as still as well. So, 
I'm trying to think. Like, do I have a question? It's more of a statement. Hurrah! Yeah. But I guess it's it's how did you how did you make that switch into coaching? Not so much the practical, but the mindset shifts that you had to do. I think that annoyance is the birthplace of invention and reinvention. <laughs> and I was getting annoyed to cancel on my clients. Yeah. And it would be <laughs> it would be short-sighted and not as in touch with myself as I am, or I'm sure many of your listeners are, to not acknowledge, oh, I'm getting annoyed every time I have to go to set. And this is not the same general annoyance that I think every actor experiences when you get an audition, you're like, oh crap, I got to change my schedule tomorrow. Like that's, <laughs> of course, we all get a little annoyed. That's like it's some work you have to do. That's not the same as I'm excited about the audition or da da. I was on set at the newsroom, that, Aaron that, Sorkin sitting down at yeah, the table that, with me. And I was that, like, this is really fun. It is not as fun is when I sit across from a client and watch them. Now, I'll yeah. be really transparent. Like, actors are the best clients in the world to work with because actors are not afraid to show emotion or be honest about what's going on inside. I don't think I'd be mm. the... Uh, this is kind of stereotypical, so th- take this with a grain of salt, everybody. But I can't imagine being the life coach for uh, accountants. I mean, I'm sure there are accountants who are expressive with their emotions, right? But I can't imagine... Like, for me, that's a little selfish. I love working with actors because I get to see them light up. I get to see them tell me when they're stuck. Mm. I get to really be with them in that feeling and create a container where it's safe to express those things, which you don't get in the business, I don't think. So mm. for, for the the mindset that came to me was just, you're annoyed by this. Is there something there? So the mindset came with a question, I'd say, is there something there to you being just a coach? And I'll say I had some help from a very dear friend of mine who also is, happens to be a coach. And she said, what if you give up acting for two weeks? And I was like, are you kidding? Like clutching my pearls. And then I was like, okay, great. I'll give it two weeks. We'll see what happens. And so for two weeks, I like didn't put effort into my career. I would still let my manager and agent do their job, but I wasn't like reaching out to casting directors or trying to stay in touch, blah, 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 blah. And then two weeks turned to four weeks, turned to six months. And I was like, oh, thank you for letting me go and run toward coaching. And my co- and then of course, I think that the feedback loop I was getting was, my coaching was getting better. I was getting more clients. Mm. I was attracting more clients. I was telling different stories in the room. I was bringing that. I was, instead of being like, I'm kind of both in time, like it became easier to embrace the story of that I'm a coach who used to be an actor. And it just sat mm. within my body better, right? And I don't think it, yeah. you know, like I, I still like I'll, since I worked so much in commercials, I didn't give up my commercial agent right away. Well, dumb. Like I wasn't making all this money from a coach yet. And so I would still do commercials because that was another way for me to have an income. And so I think mm. that having the two feet in the world for a while got me to feel a little more solid with coaching. Mm. And it also for a while gave me the ability to say, okay, now that I'm going to these auditions, I'm capturing these stories and my experiences for someone other than myself. And so okay. I think that stretched my muscles and got me more ready to say yes to the dress. Um, and you know, there's a little bit that this might not be the same for you or for some of your listeners is it's really you can see the straight line between actor who's now a coach for actors and, of course, the acting experience is bringing itself to the coaching, right? If you're a doctor yeah. and you're suddenly becoming an actor and you're not doing a procedural or you're playing a doctor, you're like, I'm not always making the straight line. But like from the outside, we might not see the straight line. And I think for the, the inner experience for you, Janet, and I think your listeners could experience this too, is you just need to understand the straight line for yourself. What am see? I bringing from that experience before that I bring into my acting? You know... 
when people are in deep pain, probably, you know what it is like to be so worried and you can put a name on something that you're bringing into your acting, right? And those roles might be a little bit more meaningful to you at times. Or maybe you really love things that make people laugh because you've seen the depth of what the world is about. So I think sometimes it can just help us to have a, what's my straight line for me? No one else has to see it from the outside. But if I have it, it will help me get through, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that's where a lot of people, and I know this vein has traveled through a lot of the episodes I've had, the fear that people who have had another career, another job trying to lead into acting is that they have nothing to bring to the table, the imposter syndrome, right? I don't have the fancy degree that says I went to theater school, but you forget exactly what you said, how much of life is acting and you can bring that in. Yeah. So much. And I think that, you know, I heard an acting coach who I love named Joe Kelly. She said, uh, she was on my podcast recently and she said, don't keep trying to be interested. Don't, don't keep trying to be interesting. Just be interested. And I think an actor who's in the second act of their career is interested in life. There have, there's a courage yeah. there to say, I want to do this too, or I did that already, or, I've done that. Or like there's your, your, your curiosity about the world and about life is so pumped and high and like, I need to do, I'm challenging myself to try something new. I'm doing something new. And I think that's a strength. That's a strength that's attractive mm. to directors, writers, producers, casting directors, anybody, because we want to be around the people who are engaged. You know, I think sometimes if you're not an actor who is interested, if you're not an actor who's engaged, then you want to be on reality TV. It's kind of my relationship with this. Like there is huh. no acting that is not political. There is no acting that is not making a statement. There is, or you're not really talking about acting. You're talking about something. I was talking about huh. fluff. Right. This is, and I want to be mindful because I think that's different when it comes to like doing theater for children, where there's a different kind of vibe. Because that, that, that that, to me, that's not fluff at all, Mm. right? But I want to be mindful of like acting is saying something. I mean, I think we all can, even if the saying is laugh, take a break from your life, like have a chuckle, laugh at human nature, right? So, um, Mm -hmm. I think that is a piece of where we can connect the dot to your second act is your mission, your purpose has been the same since you were born. And so how you thread mm-hmm. that into this new way it is manifested in the planet is not mm-hmm. as different as one might think. That's really, that's encouraging, right? It's encouraging and inspiring, I think, because so many of us feel like we're behind mm. and needing to catch up to the people who've been in this industry for, you know, I'm pushing 40 and I'm now auditioning against Women my age have been doing this since they were five. Sure. But that remembrance of like, of course I'm not going to catch up to them. Yeah. Like, well, that, and also they're completely different than me. But, and I think it's important for Janet, for you and for anyone else listening is like, I think one of the things that has come from us relying so much on self-tapes is show me you can do what you can say you can do. I'm less interested in the evidence of your resume and I'm more interested in the evidence of your acting. And mm. no one has mm. a leg up on you in terms of their acting, unless you like are not studying yourself. Like I'm sure someone could have like, I went to Juilliard and I studied for a thousand years, blah, blah, blah. But when the scene's in front of you, they have to perform the scene in the same way you do. So give your version sure. of that story the best way you can, because I think that is getting people to the front of the line where there kind of isn't a line. But if you're imagining a line, that we are looking at the evidence, show me you can do what you say, what your resume says you can do is bigger than mm-hmm. your resume is getting you in the room at this point. So I think it's important to remember the way the business is going is more evidence-based. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Can you take me through, so say like an actor comes to you saying, Brian, help me. What does that look like kind of from the beginning? How does that work when you work with clients? 
So I want a full transparency. The way that I work with clients is a couple is, is a few different ways. In a program, which is like a group coaching program where it's specifically geared towards a very specific goal. So let's pretend you said, Brian, I want more auditions. There's like three tracks that actors work on as far as I'm concerned. I want more auditions. I want representation or I want new representation or I think I need to leave my representation. It's all the representation conversation. Or <laughs> I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to get to the next level. I'm having, I don't know yeah. if I should, like my ambition is bigger than the opportunities in front of me, the stuck kind of version. That's like the three paths that I think we run on. Yeah. Of course, there's headshots and reels and all those things that can go into any one of these. But those are the three paths that usually come in as the the thing that's coming up. Um, and the, so if you're working with me in a group program, that typically means I'm going to see you every other week for a call live, but I'm also going to be giving you trainings to go with it. So like if you're asking me for more auditions, I don't want to get too much in the weeds about like what my programs are here, Janet, but I think it might be helpful for your listeners Mm -hmm. just to understand, right? So Mm -hmm. I have a process that I use no matter how I'm working, no matter which way I'm working with you. And the process is let's check in what's true about you from the beginning of time, which is where we start, like I just said with y'all, right? What do we need to let go of where we believe your story is so different from everybody else's that what has worked for other people won't work for you? I call this terminal uniqueness, where I am so different. My my, my experience is so different from everybody else. My training is so different from everybody else. I am so different from everybody else. And the reason why it's so important that we can dispel that myth, it isn't to take away how outstanding and unique and special and fabulous you are, but everyone is unique and fabulous and special is what we also have to believe. Right, And everyone has had different experiences that brought them to this day. And yours are just as mm-hmm. important, but you can use them to almost weaponize against yourself. So it's important to me that we let go of this myth of terminal uniqueness for one and two reasons. One, it's not going to serve you when it comes to reach, being an actor. And two, if I'm going to go Course in Miracles on you, which is the training that I have for in my reverendship, you have one, it would say that the, what you have one problem in, the, in your life, it is that you believe that you're separate from other people and that all problems hmm. devolve from there. So if we can start to believe like there is a community, even if you don't feel connected to it, or there is a humanity, even if you don't feel connected to it. And then I think part of what comes in at this initial stage is also some forgiveness, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of the high school teacher who said you weren't any good, forgiveness of the parent who said, I'm worried about you becoming an actor because I'm afraid you won't make any money, forgiveness of the husband, wife, partner who was well-meaning, but said, you got to make more money. We're not going to be able to buy that house. Forgiveness of the child who took away... 20 years of your life, like the forgiveness that we need to bring into the conversation so that you can be clean, be, be cleansed <laughs> and say yes, right? And then the next stage that I take them through, no matter which one of these is, demystifying like what that really looks like to look for auditions. So like, what, let's use auditions, for example. For auditions, I just want to get more auditions. Great. Let's go to the number one road that all auditions travel on. Do you know what that is? It is Actors Access or Casting Networks or Spotlight or one of the websites that are the cast where the number one jobs in the world are cast. Every time I sit down with an actor and I open up their profile with them, oh, this isn't right. It's not up to date. Yep. So this is your reminder, everyone listening. Go look at your profile and find the things that you forgot to put on there. We send a set it and forget it, like auto bill pay or something. That is the, you have to, you can do all the fun stuff you want to do to get auditions, but that should be the gold standard of where you put your time, energy, and money. So that should look absolutely amazing. So one of my programs is devoted only to your casting profiles. Of course, we get into headshots and reels and all that stuff, but that is what you need to focus on first. It's called Audition Magnet for those who care, right? So I just want to make sure that that's clear. So demystifying, I should be reaching out to casting directors and I should go to workshops and sure, maybe this first, right? And then we can come up with a plan for beyond that. Um, Because chances are you've probably met everybody you need to meet in your career for your career to happen. And we tend to think it's about meeting more people instead of 
fertilizing the fields that we've already planted. So Jenna Fisher talks about this from the office. She says, like, I know six casting directors, and I just love those six casting directors, and they loved me, and that's how I got the office. We don't need every mm-hmm. casting director to love us. Um, so that's that's the, the demystifying that part of it, right? Like getting rid of the noise that we've heard about. I should do what everyone else is doing. This is where we get contagious with other actors who've told you things on set, right? <laughs> Let's go back to get clear what their business is really like. This also comes true for representation because there's so many lies about representation. Um, and the ones that are like the most painful – I think are like you must have credits before you work with someone. You must be union if you work with someone. You must be you must look like this or they're not going to be interested. You must have a referral. <laughs> All and these are just lies that are both I think engineered to keep you small and I think also grasped onto by actors as a way to engineer small vulnerability. Because <laughs> if I reach out to 10 agents and managers and they all say no, then I don't feel as rejected. How did you pick oh. those 10 agents and managers Some ra- you by some random black hole that you went into on IMDb or asking your friend? You have no idea who they are, and you just decided those are the perfect agents and managers that you should reach out to right now. You can hear, I hate target lists. I think they're the bane of, my, they're bane of everyone's existence, and they are a way to engineer small vulnerability and small risk. So mm-hmm. letting go of that idea. So great, if we have yeah. to turn that on its head, what does that mean? Well, yeah. that means that when I reach out yeah. to a broader net of people – I have to show up more vulnerably and be really honest about where I am in the business. Most actors feel like they have to puff themselves up to sound like, oh, things are going really, really well in my career. Well, guess what? If they're going really well, why are you reaching out to me? I'm an agent. Like they'll say, the emails will sound like, this train is moving. So if you want to get on board, great. But if not, I'm good. Like that is delusional. And the agent's like, yeah, you're right. You don't need me. Like the sentence that I see in people's emails, it's like, and look, I was able to do all this on my own. And they're like, you sure were. You don't need me. So the vulnerability, the vulnerability is, I, and I'm not able to do what's next without talking to someone like you. And that feels vulnerable hmm. and I get that. So that's the myth we want. So that's some hmm. of the dispelling of the myth, right? The next part of this is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but you'll cut me off, Jen, if I go too deep, is we got to, we got to figure out who you are. What's your castability? What's the story that you're telling? How do you fit into the marketplace? Um, where are some of the outlying roles that you would play that are maybe outside of your wheelhouse? How do we make sure that when someone is meeting you, whether that's a casting director, an agent, writer, director, producer, when they look at um, – let's use your resume or when they look at your resume or they look at uh, an email that you send them, that if they order you on the menu, they know what they're going to get. And we tend to think of like, oh, but if I typecast myself, I'm never going to be cast as anything else. Are you being cast as anything else right now? Because it sounds yeah. like you're just keeping yourself – like all I need to know is if I order the broccoli, is it going to be green and look like broccoli? I know you can do more than what you say when you when you mm. typecast yourself or talk about it being like other actors. I just need to get a sense of what it's going to be like when it's on the plate because I'm not going to mm. order a complete unknown thing for dinner. Right? If you went to a restaurant and every single ingredient in the uh, entree was a thing you've never heard of before, you probably wouldn't order it or you'd have to go, hey, waitress, hey, server, can you tell me a little bit more about this? You're not going to get the chance to have the person go, can you tell me more about you because you've inspired doubt in them because they have no idea who you are? You're not standing by their table saying, oh, I can tell you what all those ingredients are. You just need to help them out. And I think we think we're pigeonholing ourselves, but you're actually not helping them to know where you fit in. So that's that next process Mm. that we go through. And then after that is the rebel system. I think that a lot of what I say sounds radical to people. And the truth is what I'm saying is based on inherent spiritual truths. 
By showing up, by telling your story, people are attracted and they know how to fit into your story. By faking your story, puffing yourself up and inauthentically sounding better than you are, they don't know how to find themselves in your story. That's how you end up with an agent who doesn't work that well for you for 10 years and you never leave because you feel loyalty or 10 months or whatever it is. Because you're like, well, at least an agent said yes to me. Well, that's because at the beginning of this, you didn't start with that letting go of terminal uniqueness, forgiving yourself, letting go of old stories so that you could say, I freaking belong in this business. The way that I like to think about this process is I want you so full of yourself in the best way possible that when you get, you know, seven to 50 meetings with managers and agents, that's the kind of results that my clients will get, right? When they get these meetings, they are walking those meetings so in the business already that it is not about please pick me. It is, let's see if I feel good with this person. Let me ask mm-hmm. the hard questions about my old agent didn't give me auditions for these three offices. Are those offices you have relationships with? Can you tell me some of your clients who are working for them? Where you are so in the business, you're so clear that you are part of this, right? And, and you know, I want to make sure everyone hears this. Like, it's fun for me to talk about the number of meetings my clients get. Cool. But I actually don't care if you get a lot of meetings. What I care about is you get the one that's the right one. So be mindful See. of becoming a good student in this business. Like it's yeah, uh, the reason I love my the reason I do love my clients to get a bunch of meetings isn't because they're going to mo better pick the best agent because of that. I just love the experience that an actor has going to thirty six meetings and who they are on the other side of that. If you are wanted, so, feeling wanted in thirty six meetings, that is an experience that will be a touchstone for your career for decades. Right, so yeah. that is why I'm about getting the meetings. It doesn't mean you're going to end up with some dipshit agent who doesn't do a good job because. Everyone in the world said yes to me, right? That's not what I want it to be. That's where I want you to walk away with. And then after that, you know, as we're reaching, as you're putting yourself out into the world, I like to say data, not drama. I'm not the first person who said that, but we need to create a container where I'm going to hear back from some people and I'm not going to hear back from other ones. Some people are going to say to me, tell me more. Some people are going to say, not right now. What is my relationship to those answers so that I don't fall off my course through this, whether this is reaching out for auditions or reaching out for agents and managers? Because... If I start getting weird because I got a lot of yeses and then I got some no's, then I'm going to not do great in those meetings afterward. The whole point of this, whether that's a meeting or an audition, is that you are so full of who you are that you can really show up. So we have to create a container for no's and not right now's and silence, which is also a response, to not throw you off course. And I'll just steal from the Course in Miracles again. It is dangerous to ourselves to try to understand the motivations of others. I'll say that again. It is dangerous to ourselves to try to understand the motivations of others. I'm going to imagine everyone on this podcast who's listening, if they're in a second act, you've probably dated someone in your lifetime and they sent you a text that was annoying or confusing. And it sent you in a tailspin and you called up your girlfriend and you said, what does this mean? Or you talked to someone and trying to figure it all out. That is the game that we're playing where it is only dangerous to you. We have no way of knowing. So that's why we have to create that container so that you can truly respond without getting engaged in drama. Data, not drama. And then I think the part where it gets like the Brian spin on all of this is this should be fun and it should kind of look fun (laughs) and it should feel fun. And reading your email or reading your reach out to casting directors should feel fun. It shouldn't feel heavy. We should feel like we're in this together, right? It kind of resounds back to the beginning piece of this of like, what is it like we're in this business. We all know this business is weird. We don't have to pretend that (laughs) it's not. So I love it when someone will say like, you know, like they'll get a rejection from someone, let's say casting or agent manager, and they'll say something like, um, 
Thank you so much for getting back to me. This is a, uh, as you as you know, this business isn't a business where we always hear back from people. So it means a lot just to know uh, where things stand. And uh, this is a small business. So I'm sure our paths will cross in the future. And I look forward to that day. Take good care, Kelly. Right? That is an agent mm-hmm. who you can reach out to three years from now, uh, three months from mm-hmm. now, because you've mm-hmm. done such a good job of like, I'm not butthurt that they didn't pick me. Thank God they didn't pick me because they would not have done a good job for me. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of getting a no. Thank God you got to know, right? You get to cross that person off your list who you've been holding space for. I love that, Hmm. right? And then the last piece of course, is the, you know, push the boat out, go public, reach out. And that's the process that I work with, whether that's about more auditions or about it's more agent. I think in the uh, examples I gave, it sounds very agent-y. That's just kind of where I've been working with clients a lot lately. Um, But it Mm -hmm. applies to all of these other areas as well. Does that answer the question? Mm -hmm. It does. And I'm really, I'm curious, I'd love to hear your opinion on, on developing vulnerability from two kind of areas, because I know a lot of people, the second act actors, um, have a difficult time being vulnerable artistically as an Mm. actor, because one, they don't have the training and two, they've developed emotional restraint for, with their day job for a decade. Don't show emotion. Right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't, right? Go hide in your room and cry, yeah. son. Um, but so vulnerability artistically, but also the vulnerability you're talking about to not only get rejected, but to be vulnerable enough to not puff yourself up. Yeah. Because I think that comes from fear. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that, uh, that fear. And also because this career is such a long shot. So it's almost like there's a relief when you get rejected because you're like, yep, everyone was right. Yeah. It's a long shot. Oh, and that's, that's such a, a painful one. Scary, vulnerable place, right? Yeah. How does someone develop that, especially later on in life yeah. when they're a bit of an old dog? Yeah. Well, one of the things I want to say to everyone who's listening is I, so I'm really delighted by the fact that all of my, let's just use the word older without a lot of baggage attached to it right now. I'm just going to use the word older. If you are 28 and you feel like you're older, this can apply to you too, right? My older clients, always have success reaching out to agents. And I want to make sure everyone hears this. Do not bring your baggage to the conversation that isn't happening. Your idea that you've been not in this business for a long time is your bullshit to work out with a coach or a therapist. (laughs) I'm sitting at my desk sending out my actors to get jobs every day. I'm not thinking about how long they've been in the business. I'm not thinking about how many credits they have. I'm like, this person is right for this job. Go to this casting director. Send them a tape. Let's even get you a job. I'm not worried about that because I've already picked you. I've already chosen to work with you. So where where this comes up for me around this like developing the vulnerability is the people who are not meant for you will not find you. So Mm. if you are putting yourself out there and you're saying something like, I'm coming to acting in the second act of my life. There's actually three, I think there's three episodes of my podcast where I talk to actors who are in the third act of their life and they're reaching out to agents and their experiences. And it is so powerful because you have to realize, I wanted to, like, if someone said to you, non-actor or actor, yeah, I used to be this and now I'm this. And this is my old job. That's a really understand, like, we get that story. That's not a hard story to understand. I used to be a doctor and now I'm an actor. I used to be a doctor and now I'm a lawyer. I used to be a, I used to own a shop and now I decided that I want to be a stay-at-home mom. Like, we, that's not a hard Understanding That's harder to be like, well, I used to be a doctor and then I became a radiologist. And like you're going like this longer path. Great. You're fine. This is much easier to understand. So what you have to realize is when you're reaching out and you're putting yourself out there, they're going to get that. 
they're going to understand See? like, oh yeah, of course you, of course you don't have a bunch of credits here because you haven't been doing this long. Where we make a mistake is we try to hide that that's our past. Try to pull up a smoke screen. Like, look, at, don't look too close at my resume because you'll see I haven't been doing this for very long, right? That's mm-hmm. the opposite of truth. Guess what doesn't happen when you tell the opposite of truth? No connection. <laughs> and you sound delusional. So the owning it is, so what I would say is the obstacle is the answer or the obstacle is the solution or the problem is the solution. Hey, I am just coming back. I'm coming to acting for the first time after having a previous career as a very successful doctor. When you look at my resume, you'll see there aren't a lot of credits, but my training makes up for that. Here's a tape to take a look and see what I can do just so you can see if I line up with the kind of clients you're setting out day to day. Let me know if you'd like to set up a meeting. And that's not all I'd say in an email, but like that's the energy behind the email that I would send. Because the email that we would typically send or the reach out we would typically send is something like, I just booked this and I just did this and I and I just did this and I just did this. Let me know if you'd like to meet if I can fit somewhere into your roster. And like you've just given me like, well, yeah, my clients already have all the – like you have reduced yourself to your receipts. So I'm only going to look at your receipts. Huh. So if you're saying I booked this, 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 and this, and I'm like, yeah, those aren't a big deal to me because I have clients who book more than that. But if you're saying, please, when you look at my resume, please let me fill in the link. Let me – let me – don't read between the lines because I'm going to make it explicit for you. I am coming to this for the first time. I've only been in the business for three years. Like I'm saying it directly to you because what we tend to do is allow our resume to speak for us. And it doesn't because I know you have had incredible almosts. You've had incredible meetings where the film didn't happen or you did a film and you ended up on the cutting room floor. All these things that have happened. You had a great acting class and you're not talking about that acting class. You're not saying what your acting teacher said to you. And you have no business knowing what that agent or manager or casting director needs. Get your fingers out of their pants. You have no idea if they need you right now. And you're deciding, Mm. well, they probably need me to have this, this, and this before they'll work with me. You have no idea. What if that agent is like, I love working with people who have started acting in the second act of their career. Or I love developmental clients. Or we're always looking for actors in this category at this casting office. We can never find them. I'm so happy this person sent this over to me. Whenever I talk to an agent, because I talk to agents all the time because I want to make sure I'm really delivering the right thing for when my clients reach out to them. We don't have enough people in our older age ranges. So just like, that's like insider knowledge. I don't even care that you have it because I really want you to believe the other stuff first that I'm saying to you. But like, just know that piece. And then to bring the vulnerability in, it is not going to feel, it's not going to feel natural at first because at first you're going to want to bring to the table, I'm reaching out for a job. Let me make my cover letter sound really good and let me pump myself up so they really think I can do this job. This is acting. It's not like a normal job. Are you the person who this story looks the best on? Not the best out of everybody else, but because it's the story that this director wants to tell. Which Mm. is why you went in, you're like, the other people in the waiting room or the other tape didn't look like me at all, but I got the job. Well, because you just happened to be what the story looked the best on. This is not about, you know, someone's better than someone else, right? Leave the questions of being good or bad for acting class. Do not leave that, bring that question to an audition. The question for the audition mm. is, can you make this, how does this story look the best on you? My wish is that every single person who submits a tape or goes into an audition room is giving their perfect, mm. most, not perfect, their best version mm. of the audition mm. so that the casting director goes, great, we saw chocolate, vanilla, orange sherbet, rainbow sherbet, um, strawberry, da, da, da. 
and they were so delicious. Which flavor did you like the best? Right? And so that is where the vulnerability comes. It comes in like, let me do this my way, not the way that I think I'm supposed to do it, which is why I think it's helpful to work with like a really nuanced acting coach who can help Mm. it be like, are you really telling the story of the scene? Your way into the scene looks like this as opposed to her way into the scene looks like that. Like that's part of the magic there. And I think part of this uncomfortability, the comfortability with vulnerability comes from the practice. Right? One of the things Mm. I think everyone listening who's a second act actor has going for them is you have age going for you. You're not going to, let's not sweat the small stuff. Let's not waste our time. Leave that to the 24-year-old actress who just got out of college who's like, I should already be a star, right? That's not the game we're going to play, right? The game we're going to play is how can I be more honest about the fact that this is me coming to this for the first time? And did you watch my tape? Because you can't tell that because my tape is freaking bomb. So your goal should be I want my work that is out there to be amazing and I want my reputation to be impeccable. Not I want to make up for what I don't have. I'm going to be present Uh in my career. Not in my past. Mm-hmm. No one is looking back behind you. Only you are. Did you notice that there's See? no timelines on an actor's resume? We yeah. get stuck in chronology. There's no timelines in an actor's resume. No one's looking at what happened in what year, right? So be really mindful of the business understands that the breadth of who you are is what you bring to the work. We See? sometimes want to keep reducing ourselves to exactly what's on the resume. <laughs> So it's so important that you fill in the line. So that's why a lot of the beginning of this whole process when I work with people is tell me the story of what it was to be an actor. And it starts the way we started this conversation. Oh, you know, when I was in in, in 12th grade, I did the lead in the musical and it did something to me. And this one teacher said this thing. I remember my mom said to me when I – and this was very well-intentioned and I didn't take it the wrong way. Thank God I had the wherewithal. But my mom said to me – she was very worried face. And she said, I think only famous people's kids get to be actors. So my mom is defining Nepo babies before Nepo Nep- babies was a thing, right? Right? And I'm like, and and like, and I knew that was not don't be an actor, Brian. That was I'm worried about you because I want Oof. you to be successful and experience success in your lifetime. Yeah. And I like shut her down mm-hmm. right away. I remember like, no way, mom. That's not going to happen. No, 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 right? And I think that's like the 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 ambition of youth, the kind of at that time. But looking back on it now, I can say it with such different perspective. That is what you have yeah. as someone who's a little older. You have this ability like, I don't need to sweat the small stuff. The job that wasn't for me, I didn't get. What's not for you will miss you or whatever. Like rejection is God's protection. Whatever word you want to use to say that is, (laughs) right? So what's meant meant for you will come to you, some people say, right? And that sound may sound a little woo-woo and great. If it works for you to walk away from the audition easily, then use it. Use what's going to give you staying your most present. What I would also say is who's the astrology who has the – is the Libra who has the weight that's holding oh, the, the scales? Yeah. Is it the Libra? Yeah, I don't know. maybe. Okay. Anyway. So if you're holding the scales and you're like, I've put more energy into my acting career, that means I'm an actor. If I put less energy into my acting career, more being a mom or more into my, my medical career in a given month or whatever, like it, that is – no one is doing math. No one is doing mm-hmm. math but you. Can you let yourself off the hook? Can you reinterpret that thought to, oh, dang, I want to be doing more acting. Instead of I should or I'm abandoning acting because this month was a month where I couldn't do auditions or I couldn't go out for my acting class. And then the last piece I'll just add to this is if you are feeling out of sync, chances are you haven't acted recently. Do not forget your calling is to be an actor. When you are doing anything other than being an actor, you are out of your purpose on this planet. So your 
diet you've put yourself on unintentionally maybe i haven't gone to acting class in six weeks and i'm really stressed out about my career and i'm struck yeah because you have not been in expression of your calling for a long time acting does not mean you're on set acting does not mean you're uh on stage it means that you are doing that process van gogh did not go out in the field and paint over and over and over again because he knew every single painting was going to hang on a gallery because he needed to now, there's other things that go on with Van Gogh with mental illness. We know that. But I just want to really, like use this as an example of we have to be in our purpose or we will we will be misaligned. So before you start reaching out, which is what most people do, especially if you've come from a different career, what are the things I need to do to get more auditions or get more work? Or blah, 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 blah. The first place that I say to everyone is, when's the last time you acted? And then we can start this conversation. But let's get you acting for a couple of weeks because the conversation is going to change. You're going to feel more yourself. Hmm. We're going to make bad decisions while you're malnourished. We need hmm. to take care of the, you know, the hierarchy, the triangle of, you know, food and shelter and da da da. One of your your your, your triangle is I need to do some acting, yeah, and then I can make decisions about my career. That was a roundabout uh, way to answer your question. Hope it got somewhere. Absolutely. Well, I think. Well, I know the the biggest thing that I know I struggle with is lack of control because I came from a career that is very you have to have control otherwise people die you follow the algorithms and people live or not if you don't right if you fall off the train you you can't it's science where in acting as you know I know you hear this all the time there's such a lack of control so where you can find control is the business of it is like, I'm going to take, I'm going to read a book about acting. I'm going to take more headshots. I'm going to take more business of acting classes because that's what I can hold on to. But, and it's so funny how often I do that and then I don't do the acting. Oh, you're muted. So remember, you don't actually have control of the business. You just have control of the actions you're suddenly taking inside the business. God damn it. So you just have a false sense of being engaged, right? Uh, Yeah. So, yes, take actions towards your business. But here's what – so the way that I work with people is we establish habits. So the way I think about that is in a quarter, so January, February, March, right? What are the habits that you're doing every single week? What are the habits you're doing every month? What are the habits that you're completing by the end of the quarter? So you've got this many mm. newsletters sent. You've done this many workshops. You've done this many meetings with new people. You've like So that we can track, oh, when I send that many newsletters, the next quarter, it looks like I get this many auditions. Because most often, actors are much harder on themselves than they need to be. Now, I'm thinking that to the people <laughs> listening to this podcast, right? Some, there's some actors, you know, like, the auditions will come. It'll just, I just need to sit around and wait for the phone to ring. Like, I'm not talking to those actors. I'm talking to the ones who have the ambition that you're talking about, Janet, Janet right? Your ambition, you need to admit this to yourself right now. Your ambition will always be bigger right. than the opportunities in front of you. It is the yes. same for Nicole Kidman. She's wishing a different film would be written and offered to her. Offered to her. It is always yes. going to be bigger. It is always going to be bigger. So you have to be like, okay, great. So I, cool. I don't always have to feed my ambition by taking action that may be pointless. So like administrivia bullshit that you actors can end up doing, right? So I like check out if you've been acting recently and then ask a new question. Have I loved up on, have I, I nurtured that. the relationships that I already have? And I think that mm. we, not, not, not I think, I know that actors focus on casting directors. I just want to make sure we all get Every actor in the world focuses on casting directors. <laughs> Can you please listen to this piece of, I think, brilliant wisdom? I don't know if it's mine, but I'm going to give it to you now. 
writer, director, producer. Those are the people. So Janet and every actor listening to this podcast knows who the top five cast directors in Toronto are and knows their addresses and how to email them and when they're doing workshops and how to reach out to them. But what's different about Janet's career is she's interacted with different director, writers, and producers. Those are the people that deserve her continual connectedness every month or every couple of months. Because they're unique to her and they've hired her before or even just auditioned her before. I don't care if they've hired you or not. If they even auditioned you, they deserve to be stayed in contact with. Because what are we trying to work for? Remember, casting directors are going to keep you in the auditioning game. Don't we all want to be offer only? (laughs) If you really want to be in the auditioning game and you love the competition, go to CrossFit. If you are if you are reaching towards casting directors, you're saying, I really love the idea of auditioning for the rest of my life. I'm not saying don't put them on your list, but think of casting directors as your like regulars who come right. into your coffee shop. You want to see the guy who comes in and the buys guy. like the 12 buy pounds of coffee every week. That's the writer, director, producer. And that's the mm. person who comes in more rare, right? That person needs to be loved up on so they come in all the time. They are the decision makers and they're unique to you. So remember, the people you're staying in contact with is everyone you've ever auditioned for, not just booked with. Because we want to believe, bring a positive and generous assumption to every interaction we've had in the business. So if I've auditioned for them, if I've sent them a self-tape, if they requested a self-tape, they're on my side. So they get to hear from me once a month, somehow. I'm going to figure it out. I'm not going to teach that class right now. There'll be a whole other podcast episode, right? But like, like, (laughs) your job is to tend that field instead of Mm. get more fields to tend. Let me get every cast director to know me, which is typically where we go. And the truth is that's easier. Mm. You can figure out how to get a Mm. workshop with a casting director. You can go to a class with somebody. It is easier than saying, I'm going to be a good Victorian lady who is great with her thank yous and in her stationery and sending emails and staying connected. Like that's why I I tell all my clients, we need to be good Victorian ladies because a good Victorian Mm. lady, when she stops by someone's house, even if she doesn't get to see the person, she will leave a calling card. When she has a coffee or a tea at someone's home, she will send them a thank you card afterward, right? She is always yeah. – the, the, the good Victorian lady has impeccable manners. And the reason why I really I, – I dwell in the zone of manners and the mindset around manners is it gets rid of any bullshit that you might have in your head about like, well, what do I say to them? And is it okay to reach out? And I don't want to be annoying. You're not. You're leaning on. I have impeccable manners. My yeah. manners tell me when we have an interaction – I acknowledge it. If I bump into you at the grocery store, I say, it was lovely to see you at the grocery store. I hope things are going well and hope you finally found the peanut butter you wanted. Thanks, Janet. It is my job to be a good Victorian lady because that's who I want to be in the business. And let's just be really clear. How freaking cool would you feel if you were the person who did that all the time? Like you will – and you know what? Here's the reason why Brian does this in the first place. It's kind of come a full circle because then you're really going to like yourself. You will like who you are being in the business when you do that. And then you are Mm -hmm. so full of yourself. And then when you're so full of yourself, you're giving great auditions. And whether you get it or not, you're okay. You get to go home and be with your partner and have a beautiful life. And then the next audition you get, like, oh my gosh. And then everything becomes a lot easier because you're doing actions where you like yourself instead of actions that are inspired by lack. And so Mm -hmm. I really encourage everybody to think of their, you know, their best Victorian lady, if you can. When you when you when you're thinking about staying in touch with people and really extending I, beyond casting directors, love casting directors. Yes, and yes, and mm, I love that. Yeah, 
Do you have any favorite moments in your career, both acting and or coaching? Do you have a favorite memory? Hmm. You know, it's easy to want to go to like places where people had a really big success. In yeah. But my philosophy around big success is because it's so outside of yourself. That's not actually where I want to dwell. And so mm. when I think of having really great moments inside of my career, it is typically when I've seen someone identify an old pattern they're letting go of. I think of this one client. She is a writer, used to be an actor, let go of that. Tra- she's still an actor, but really is her writing career taking off. She's a Blumhouse fellow this year for Sundance. It's a really big deal that she's gotten this, right? And the way that she's now relating to representation, the way that she's relating to writing and acting is so much more confidence, certainty, uh, ability to say that's for me and that's not for me, um, has been really exciting because it wasn't always that way. The journey she's been on is incredible. She's, she's on my podcast. If you want to hear this, her name is Chelsea Gonzalez. You all can listen to it. But I just am using this as an example because I like when some – my favorite moment is when someone sees themselves differently. They notice hmm. something different about themselves. And I would hmm. say A Course in Miracles defines a miracle as – uh, a shift in perspective. Can I see this differently? <laughs> and so to me, I guess it's those miracle moments that I get to see with a client that regardless of what's happening on the outside, something changes within them. And then of course, all great things happen on the outside as soon as that happens. And so I just, I love those moments, which to me are not always related to, I booked a job, I got the agent, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to work with you, where can they find you? Oh my God, I would be so delighted if any of your listeners wanted to work with me. Um, So first of all, let me just say that to you now. And whether or not you want to work with me, I've got a few awesome little freebies to just offer your audience. So uh, the first I'm going to offer is about representation because you hear me talking about that. I hear all the myths around it and I've helped over 542 Mm -hmm. actors find representation. I'm so proud of that number. I'm not, the number's higher right now if I'm being honest, but I don't keep track every single freaking day. But I get a DM or an email every day. I've signed with a manager agent. So there is a free training called Make Agents Want You. You can find it at makeagentswantyou.com to watch that training. In that training, I just want to give you a little secret for those of you listening. So lucky you. There's a chat box on the right-hand side of that training, and I see every single message that comes in. So while you're watching that training because it's pre-recorded, like write me a note or ask me a question. I will get back to you. Um, And then if you're really thinking about auditions and they're top of mind for you and getting more auditions of top of mind, um, I have another freebie for you that's called Super Sneaky Auditions. And I put on my Sherlock Holmes hat and I was like, you know how people get auditions in weird ways? They're not always just from using their casting profiles or submitting (laughs) themselves for a job. And I like went out and I talked to agents and managers and actors like, let's collect some of these stories in ways that we could actually tap into that like seeming magic. So Mm. when you download Super Sneaky Auditions, it kind of shares you the stories and the action steps that they took. And it's like the cutest – it's like one of my most proud little downloads I've ever made because it's so cute. So that's supersneakyauditions.com. And of course, you can find me on Instagram at Brian Says That. I respond to all the DMs there and the podcast is Brian Breaks Character. But I really think the first place to start is if you – be clear, everybody – if you know an agent is a thing you need, makeagentswantyou.com. If you want more auditions, supersneakyauditions.com. Of course, you can get both, but like, be clear with yourself because what I never want to do, and Jen, I think you probably can, uh, you could probably can see the, the, the reason why I think this way. You probably think the same way. Is I never want to add to the noise of what an actor is hearing. There's so much noise. Yeah. Oh my god! I want you to either, especially beginning actors. Yes, oh and god. what I want people to do is to say. Like, if you took my training, you were like, Brian is not for me. Please delete, unsubscribe, and don't see anything else from me and find the person who is for you instead mm. of my 
my content making you feel like you're doing something in your career. I don't want that fallacy of like, oh, I feel like I'm doing something because I'm reading Brian's emails. Or No, you're just feeling the good vibes from it. I want you to be taking action. So again, check this out and see if I'm your person. If I'm not, I'll help you connect to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just answered my, my question. I always like to ask people it, like who coach and stuff like that is how as beginning actors do we sift through the noise of like Instagram and social media? And I don't know what it is about acting. That there's just so much crap. So I will say a couple things. Remember that there are a lot of people who are trying to get your money who are sneaky bad people. Yes. Right? We have to be really yeah. careful about it. Right? Right? And yes. so a couple things that I always look for is are you talking about super famous people as your clients? Because typically that's not where I am. And if you're using that, that's probably not my vibe. Right? Yeah. Number one. Yeah. Number two is try not to follow 600 people. Pick the four voices that really resonate with you. And I'm a huge um, – I'm a huge – this is not the right word, but I'm a huge fan of integrity. So like I want to see that they're walking the walk, which doesn't mean mm. that someone doesn't have personal growth as well. So they're saying, oh, that was a mistake and now I'm doing it this way. Like I want to see that vulnerability and authenticity in someone who's coaching. If someone just holds them up as I am the expert in all things, I will be resistant. I'll just be very clear. I am like the I'm like the most annoying client for a coach for the first eight minutes because I hate every coach in the world for eight minutes and I think I know better than them. And then about nine minutes, I'm like, oh, I can relax and I can listen now. So I would go for like, who are the people that you listen to where you're like, oh, I can relax and listen. I don't feel talked Mm. down to. If people are using the words like Mm. the secrets of how to do this, right? Super sneaky auditions is like my secretiest word I'd ever use because to me, they feel sneaky. But like if someone, let me show you the secrets of how to whatever. I'm always like, who are you? Is this Aladdin's lamp we're rubbing here? (laughs) Like, so like you look at the words they use to see if they actually appeal to you and they're not talking down to you or putting you down. And then I also think... Don't let reading emails or reading Instagram give you the feeling that you're in your career. It is meant to educate you to be in your career. So remember, like, if there's a course you're taking and you're engaged, that's great. But just be mindful of, like, you're not actually moving the needle if you're just consuming the content. That's good advice. Yeah. We can love to just talk about ourselves and read it all the time, of course. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. And yet you feel like you're – yeah. You feel like you're doing something. Like I have clients that are in my that are my clients. I go, listen, I've seen you three times. You feel really good when we're together. I need you to take action. I can't see you till you take more action. Like we like we have to be mindful of that. And we we and yeah. let's be honest. Actors love to connect, and that is mm-hmm. beautiful. So we have to be really mindful of our connection overwhelming our capacity for action. Mm. Right. Do you have any final words of advice or wisdom? Yeah. Don't stop doing this. You are meant to do this. You were called to do this. Let go of knowing exactly what the shape has to look like. If you've ever seen a video where like you see a bear and a tiger hugging or it's like a cat and a dog are friends or a cat and a duck are friends, right? Let go of the idea that you know what the shape of this relationship with acting needs to look like. It might look like a cat and a dog being friends. It might look like a duck and a dog being friends. So defining Defining your success by what comes from the outside is rarely helpful, but defining it by what's going to make you feel good, sure, set a goal, but I think of a goal, you know, we're recording this on right before the Super Bowl, and so uh, you're not going to get many sports references from me, so please listen to this one. <laughs> if the universe, God, whatever word you use, if we think of them as the quarterback, and you are running toward a goal, 
I, he, universe, God, whatever, will know where to throw the ball, will know where to throw the opportunity. If you're running all over, trying everything new, Ava Perone, there's your musical theater reference, then you, I'm not going to know where to throw the ball. I'm not going to know where to throw the opportunity, even if it's an opportunity that will take you in a different direction. So Mm. keep doing this. Keep walking toward it. Take right-minded action and keep acting first and then deal with the business. Right? That isn't to say don't start auditioning. That's just say make sure you're taking care of that, tending your field of where you're doing your craft first. Um, and if you need help cool. with that, y'all know where to find me. I'd love to talk to you. I love it. Thank you. I have to say, um, as we when we as we wrap up, so I had heard before your team had reached out to me, which I'm so thankful that they did. I'd heard your episodes on One Broke Actress, and you had said exactly what you just said there. You're called to do this. And I can remember the exact stretch of road I was on when I was listening to that. And and I don't mean this to blow smoke up your behind, but I just, I, there's something about the words you've been called to do this. I just burst into tears. I was like, and I, and I got a little teary eyed when you just said it right there. Well, what I'm just like, he said the thing, but it, it's that. Those words are so powerful to me, and I know they have to be to other people as well, too. Um, I'm so, so thankful that your people reached out to me. I was very honored and flattered. And um, shout out to Sam Valentine and your incredible One Broke Actress podcast for being just an incredible resource for actors, but also um, parasocially introducing me to you, and then your team introducing it to you. So I, I think what you do is phenomenal. This is not an ad, but I love, <laughs> I love the combination of, oh, just the empathy you have and the logistics of what you have. Thank you. It's it's thank refreshing, you. and I think it's wonderful, and I think so many people are going to get so much out of this. So thank you so much. Thank you for a chance to connect with your audience. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Brian, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much for bringing your energy and your light to my podcast. I absolutely loved talking with you. And I will never forget the things that you said on Sam Valentine's podcast. That will stick with me forever. Thank goodness. (laughs) If you're interested in working with Brian, I highly recommend it. Again, how many times do I have to say this, but I always get it in my DMs or comments. I am not affiliated in any way with Brian and his company. This is not an ad, but I really think he's a genuine, lovely human being who can help you. If you're interested in having him help you with your acting career, definitely check out the links below in the show notes for how to get in touch with him. I hope you will all tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!